Uh, good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. Welcome to Sunday Sessions, 13th of September, 2020. Thank you all for joining me for another Sunday Sessions. Uh, this is our weekly time of exploring nature-based folklore and connecting this to your favorite tree or garden sanctuary. So here's a reminder of the three pillars that these Sunday sessions focus on. Uh, that is to explore nature-centered folklore, applying the folklore mindfully outside in your favorite sanctuary, garden or tree. And today is going to be about trees. And within your chosen tree or garden sanctuary, express your visions through your writing, your poetry, art, craft, performance solving and vocation. Now today's Sunday sessions is for these autumn and fall trees. An update on tree sanctuaries for this time. It's a follow-up from us and trees in April and we had a bit of a, a summer recap on this. So we're doing the fall one, the autumn one, because the leaves are changing colour. And in the northern hemisphere here, we're only seven weeks away uh, from commencing tree planting time, the tree planting season. So many of us are starting to think about our trees now probably and planting what we're going to plant, where can we plant them and care for them. Now, what uh, today's guests, today's guests and the features, uh, who have we got here? We've got uh, Trista Haggerty, uh, we featured her, come back Trista, there you go. We featured her in the gardens yesterday, but there were some video clips because Trista has got about 100 acres of woodland that she uses for retreats and for adventure, uh, situated in New York State, west of Albany. And Trista was actually going to be live just now and uh, talk about it with us. But unfortunately, she messaged me about an hour ago and she's got a sore throat and the voice is gone. But we've still got a nice little video clip I'm going to be sharing uh, and it gives an, a little insight and a view of what she actually does. Now we've got uh, Ina Gorman. Uh, you've seen her on Sunday sessions before. There's uh, Ina. And she's going to be introducing us to lovely natural tree sanctuary that uh, she has and they're doing some things on it, but not too much because rewilding is the big thing there. Uh, but it's an, a lovely place that she is uh, sharing with others. And then from there, I go on to Ian Hughes. Uh, fascinating. He's been involved in major native tree planting campaigns in the UK. And he's hoping to assist and help out doing the same things uh, in Ireland. And he saw the article about me in the Sayo Champion a, a couple of weeks ago. And wanted to meet me so he came around fascinating it really made what we were doing around here really small and that's an important lesson if your tree sanctuary is just sitting under one tree that's as powerful as something that ian is consulting and developing that's taking up half of lancashire anyway i've got a, an interview with him and uh, i think you'll find that uh, fascinating too i'm going to be uh, uh, serving some Updates on our community woodland project uh, that's going to be on for the public around here. And I got some, uh, uh, let's see, I got a picture. There's, there's a bit of the community woodland where the natural wood has come around. And then we've got some beautiful poetry, lovely poetry uh, from 
Moya de Bow, and uh, so that's uh, coming up for you. Uh, so I'm going to, as an introduction, uh, yes, I'm going to also include an introduction of the upcoming folklore series because uh, there's going to be a few Sunday sessions of folklore that's going to lead us up to and into Sawan, which I th think you'll enjoy. Now, before we start, uh, there she goes again. Uh, uh, before we start, I've got an encore of a lovely musical poem from Chandelier Nichols. Now, Chandler's uh, video we featured on the bars from the woods. We tried that for three weeks, didn't have much of a following. So most of you haven't seen this, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And she's out in the woods, and she's performing a kind of tune song poem called Come Away. Uh, it's a song poem, The Silver Maple. So give me a moment while I wind her up, and we'll get a little bit of uh, Chandler here. Young, 
who stole your heart and crown. Branch by branch and leaf by leaf, away your spirit flew from me. Farewell to the roots that bound you here, though now your wings fly free. And in the woodlands and the hills, I hear this voice call ethereally, singing gently magic still. Away, my love, come away, come away, come away. I know you hear my voice in the leaves. Come away, come away to the wilds where our souls may be free. Ah, beautiful, uh, Chandler. I hope you enjoyed that. Now, let me uh, have a look to see who's here. Uh, yes, I'm actually putting glasses on now. Uh, it's a bit of a shocker. Uh, about three weeks ago, I noticed uh, I was losing sight a little bit. I went along to the doctors. Oh, no, I wish you had. I wish I had the sight you had. And he said, you'll probably need, never need glasses in your life. But anyway, I've just found that during this week to read stuff close up. And now I'm going to be reading what you had to say. So it's uh, good morning uh, there from Donna, lovely regular, lovely to see you again. Thank you. And Shell, another regular one right there on the farm. Brilliant. Uh, lovely to see you. Thanks for joining. Uh, Kimberly, good morning from Boston. Good morning to you, Kimberly. And uh, Donna, uh, lovely music. Yes, I, I absolutely was bowled over when I got to first see that uh, video and there's so few stories so I'm glad a few more are going to be watching that now and who else we got Deborah Flynn here uh, good morning from Holden uh, wonderful thank you all uh, for joining uh, so what do we got for you now um, right uh, I what I'm going to repeat here uh, is something that I took from uh, Treehugger and it was uh, way, oh, I was in the summer. But uh, it's worth repeating because I think it just shows everything that a tree sanctuary is and the importance of having trees and our relationship uh, with trees. So without further ado, I'm going to try and get through this. Um, I think Tree Hugger had 20-odd different reasons for trees, uh, but I reduced that down to 16. So I hope you enjoy the 16 out of 21 reasons why forests are important to us. And this is adapted, um, as I say, this is benefit for our tree labyrinth. Now the thing is, the th uh, trees are not just trees. And I think uh, you viewers, regular viewers appreciate that already. And 50% uh, of all life in forests, 50% uh, of all life lives in forests. 50% of all our life, and 80% of our world's biodiversity, you will actually find very much alive and integrating uh, in our forests there. And on top of that, people actually live in the forest. A, a lot of people still live in the forest. There's some people living in the forest, uh, wandering about in the forest. 
and about 5%, only 5%, you would think there would be a lot more, 5% of the people, the world population still do. And it's a shame it is only just 5%, I think. Uh, the one thing is we do know is that trees uh, create rain, um, which I'm surprised Ireland is not totally covered. Uh, but, um, and our farmland and our gardens, they really depend, uh, of course, on the rain. And to prevent, the uh, thing about trees is, is when it rains a lot, it, they help to prevent the flooding. One tree, one very mature tree can actually prevent, well, take up 300 gallons a day uh, to prevent it actually causing the flood. I think that's uh, remarkable uh, for flood prevention. Uh, it's a canopy and storage, uh, there's evaporation, a fantastic mechanism that we forget about. You know, just chop down a tree, it's blocking the view, it's a nuisance. No, it's there to stop the flooding, stop the erosion. Erosion, And uh, they also, trees help to keep us cool. And that's something I do notice when I've been, when I lived in Florida, I was surrounded by trees and thank goodness I was. Uh, they create an oasis uh, for shade and uh, urban trees help buildings stay cool, reduce the need for electric fans and air conditioners. And also, uh, they also help to, uh, well, as I say, uh, plants prevent erosion, trees prevent erosion, and uh, trees also help to keep the earth cool, that's number six, and uh, trees absorb CO2 that fuels global warming. Plants always need CO2 for photosynthesis, that's why they take it in. But the earth's air is now so thick with extra emissions that forests fight global warming just by breathing it in. And CO2 is stored in wood, leaves, soil, and often for centuries, there's a lot of talk, oh, when you chop down a tree, you release the CO2. Well, let the tree live as long as it can, and that will hold back the CO2, uh, be much more in balance. Uh, now, another thing that's uh, wonderful is, uh, now, where, where have I got it? They stopped soil erosion. And that's a big thing here at Karakrori. I've got a hedge of alders because we're on a slope, we're on a hill. If those orders weren't there with the neat, tight, neat roots, uh, I think we would have lost our soil. So it holds it back and uh, you get order along riverbanks to stop the erosion to fill up the rivers. Uh, very, very useful. Uh, you can use uh, birch, uh, you can use willow for that. But I think the order is definitely the most efficient and I'm gonna be bringing Ted Cook on uh, towards the end of this to explain this a bit uh, further. So, uh, and a forest root network, it stabilizes the soil, protects against erosion by wind and water, and reducing the landslide. And there's a beautiful picture of roots that's just doing just that. And of course, dust storms uh, prevents uh, the dust storms. Uh, one thing that uh, I do notice here as well, we got a barrier, is how trees, they block wind. Um, farms near a, a forest has many benefits as through this blocking of wind. The trees serve as a windbreak. That's a buffer against wind sensitive crops like high stalk cereals. And the tree buffer makes it easy for the bees to pollinate as well. And that's extremely important and underestimated. 
And when there's a buffer against the wind, it becomes a safe home for bats and birds and, and of course, bats and birds they eat the insects, which uh, eat, this, eat the crops. So everything benefits. And uh, even the owls and foxes love to get into barriers, the hedges and the trees that prevent the wind. And if they can protect themselves there, they come out at night and they'll eat the rats and the rodents that also eat the uh, cereals. And um, there's another uh, wind buffer thing. And also uh, trees, they clean up uh, polluted soil. You have, uh, say, a, a metal mine somewhere. And first thing that ought to be brought in is the furs. Um, what's the other word for the food? The gauze. And that will clean up the soil very quickly and then bring in the birch and create woodland. And all the contamination will go away within a few years. Because trees can sequester toxins away or degrade them into something else that's less dangerous, such as absorbing sewage overflows, roadside spills, and various uh, contaminated runoffs. Now, uh, a very important thing, uh, well, the clean the polluted air, um, Trees, uh, what have I got? I should have some pictures on this for you. Let's try and get to that. No, it doesn't matter. But uh, the trees will absorb airborne pollutants as well as clean up pollutants as the roots will help down in the soil. Uh, they'll clean up carbon monoxide, sulfur dioxide, nitrogen dioxide. And urban trees, they're estimated to save hundreds of lives every year. So town trees are very important. And they'll save the heartaches and the millions of dollars and euros and pounds spent on healthcare just by increasing the number of trees uh, in a town or a city. It can have a wonderful effect. And I was talked about muffled noise pollution. Um, what's better for us? I, I think I've got something on the noise pollution here. One thing about uh, muffling the noise pollution. No, I haven't got that here, but. It's, you know, if we're listening to rustling leaves and woodland white noise like bird songs, just a few extra trees in the garden can cut all that outside traffic sound, all other sounds, uh, modern sounds, and we're just left with the wind and the birds. And that is so much uh, a healthy stress release thing for us. Very, very healthy. And, uh, yeah, just put some trees up. You can cut out that horrible background sound by as much as 50%. Now, I'm up to number 12 here. Uh, the one thing about trees and woodlands, that they actually feed us. And uh, we get fruits, people, there's blackberry picking right now here, and nuts, and uh, we get various seeds and sap as well from the trees. So the uh, presence of all this fruit, it also increases the presence of game and fish which is very helpful, of course, if you're meat eaters. We have gone past the blueberries, but that was a lovely uh, crop uh, as well when we had them. I just picked the last of them myself. And one thing about trees and woodlands, and this is a great thing in the garden, people are very keen on this, especially now, is that the plants, <laughs> excuse me, around the trees, they uh, help, they heal us. Uh, forest servers, many uh, natural medications there's always sort of headlines about plants in the Amazon and about 70% of known plants uh, with cancer-fighting properties occur in the rainforest. 
yet fewer than 1% of the actual plants in these rainforests have actually been tested and analyzed for this. So it's very much, although herbalism has been around for thousands of years, it's still to us very much in its uh, infancy. I'm going to be talking about AML in a few weeks' time, and I'm going to be uh, talking more about this and the health benefits of plants and the relationship we have uh, with them. So I'll leave that till then. And the one thing I love, and we all sort of love craft, don't we? we we got all these woodland crafts, and uh, we had uh, baskets on, Kate's baskets last week, so there's a willow. And then we got these lovely uh, wooden tables and chairs, and uh, we have uh, shelves, all sorts of things. So we get our craft materials from the trees. So where will we be without uh, wood and resin? Uh, for hundreds of years, uh, we've used the woodlands, renewable sources to make paper and furniture for homes, even clothing. Uh, but we get carried away mainly due to increasing population. And that leads us to overuse and the wood and deforestation speeds up and much faster than forest replacement. Sustainable forestry through tree farming, that's another debate. But for now, we're talking about tree sanctuaries. See where you can get a few more trees planted for your own self-preservation, for your own peace. And I'm going to be talking more on that as well. Because trees, they really are the pillars of our society. Um, trees, uh, woodlands, forests, they really tie to me. They really tie everything together. Uh, they're the main Earth's uh, setting of life on land. I just can't see how humans can survive without them. So we really need to try and be responsible for at least developing or maintaining, increasing, or just making sure we are within our tree sanctuary. And number 16, the last of this list I'm going to do, it's just the trees, they help you to explore, they help you to relax, be inspired, write your journal, your poetry, uh, very important. There seems to be a buzzword, uh, biophilia. Um, biophilia is said to be an invisible enchantment that draws us to trees, woods, and forests uh, so we can rejuvenate ourselves by exploring, wandering, or just unwinding, sitting still within their wilderness. And of course, I call the enchantment of this being the draw of the she, the fae folk. And this enchantment serves as a sense of wonder and questions. There are no questions to be answered. It's just questions to be enchanted, to be full of wonder, always exploring, spending our lives exploring that question because that's what brings the wonder to us. And we are invigorated as we tread through these wild frontiers that were molded by our ancestors and uh, so that is the 16 that I'm bringing up. But meanwhile, let's see what you're having to say here. Uh, howdy, Forrest. Uh, uh, first time listening, like it already, very good. And Kitchen Squeeze, interested to see what uh, Kitchen Squeeze is. And Star Reagan uh, is here, a lovely regular. Hello, Chandler. We had your poem a little earlier. We introduced and so lovely to see you you'll be able to see that if you haven't already when you play back the archive or the bits that you might have been uh, missing anyway i was talking about uh, trista haggerty 
Um, she was going to uh, be on live with us to introduce her woodland. We talked about her garden last week, and but she's got 100 acres of uh, woodland. I do have a section uh, where she's talking about the woodland, so let's wind up into that. There's, and uh, it's a beautiful couple of minutes. As I mentioned, most of our land is woods and forests. And so if you look up here where our hill is, that is where most of our land is, is in those woods, which makes it great for wilderness retreats and family programs, lots of trails and places to explore in the woods. Here's a big patch of bone set and cattails behind that that are lining our pond. And down on the right is a hedgerow of old apple orchards that we're really fortunate to have. Some of the orchards here, we think they're about probably about 100 years old. There's lots of different orchards, um, areas up in the woods that have different kinds of apples. We collect them every year and make jars and jars of applesauce, sometimes cider. And over here, this is just one of the areas that our Icelandic sheep that we used to have kept open for us. There's this Asian honeysuckle plant that grows in this area that's very invasive, not native to this area. And so a lot of our open areas were filled with honeysuckle until we got our Icelandic sheep. And now we are planting small orchards in any of our open areas. Plum trees, some more apple trees, peach trees, lots of elderberry. Takes a while for the sun to come up over our hill every morning. It's probably about 8.30, I think, this morning. The sun has just come up over the hill. This is our driveway into our place. I'm probably about a half mile from our house that I showed you. And as you can see, as I said before, most of our land is this hill with woods and forests, really beautiful in there. Lots of hemlock, maple trees, lots of aspen trees, poplar. This area where we live is uh, Mo Mohawk territory. And we're just 15 minutes away from Council Rock. That is where the Iroquois Confederacy used to meet. So it's pretty special land. We have a lot of natural springs that run down our hills. It actually feeds our house with water. So again, we're <laughs> super lucky for that. Here's one of the several bridges that we have that cross the little stream. This is our new timber frame building called Eagle House that's under construction, as you can see. I wanted to show you what we're doing for the walls. We have, let's see, there would be a good spot. 
we're making this um, this natural insulation and we've got kind of these double walls and we've put this reed matting over top and we're filling we're filling the space with wood chips that have been or I should say maybe wood shavings that have been mixed with clay. I'll show you some of the areas. Right here has the, the infill. You can see it. And then after all the walls have this infill, we're going to be putting a natural clay plaster. And again, we're super lucky that we've got clay right on our own land. So this is all going to be plastered. It's going to just be this beautiful workshop space for people to do meditation and yoga, have different classes and community events. Here's some of the straw that we're going to be mixing in with the plaster. So that's it, um, a little bit. I hope you enjoyed that, that uh, from Trista. That unfortunately, we didn't get the interview in, but one day we will have uh, Trista on board. So we got Stephanie Fisher here. Uh, is the insulation mold resistant? I'm going to get uh, Trista to answer that comment somehow and get back to it. From my own experience uh, with doing similar, Yes, for a long time. We don't have that here, but uh, we've got a similar structure using hemp. And um, the hemp is no problem. Uh, so I can imagine if you use, uh, especially if you dry out alder. Alder is a problem because it's a damp uh, log, damp tree. But if you actually have wood chip from alder and really cure it and dry it out, I can imagine that really will be wonderful for preventing uh, the damp. But, but other trees will be fine. Ash, but the thing with ash, uh, I'm thinking in terms of Ireland, you know, it's, it's a little scarce. Order is something that's in abundance and you can coppice order. And if you take the one trunk uh, with order and it can be quite young, it can be five, six years old and you can coppice it. And of course what comes up instead of one trunk, you get two or three of them. So it's a lovely form of woodland management that has disappeared. And they have so many benefits because the roots are still there. You've got extra trunks, extra wildlife. Coppicing is the way to go uh, with the management. Uh, but uh, mold resistant, and Trista, I'll let her answer that when we can. But uh, just from the wee bit I know, you're gonna get quite a long time, at least 20 years uh, without mold. But the important thing is make sure the rest of your building is uh, breathing. If you're if you've got plasticizers, if you've got Portland cement even, try and use lime as much as possible instead of Portland cement. So that's my take on it. But that's really another Sunday session. I better move on from here for that. Uh, okay, uh, comments. So let's, uh, let's move on with the next one. Ina. Yes, it's Ina up next. Wonderful. Now, Ina Gooman, uh, let's get a wee wise, wise woman picture up of her here. There's Ina. Oh, I better show you to remind you, there's Trista. Just in case you've forgotten who Trista is, there's her out in her woods. Right, we're gonna go on to uh, Ina, who's gonna introduce uh, us to a lovely natural tree sanctuary that she's now sharing with others. And again, 
it's a combination that she has courses, workshops, uh, both as retreats for mindfulness, relaxation, but there's also adventure because they got water by them. So they go off kayaking, uh, they, they make fires uh, for, uh, from without matches just by creating sparks. They, uh, they do all sorts of wonderful sort of bushcrafty things as well as sit spotting. So really before, I don't need to chat anymore about this. I'm going to wind up the video uh, from Ina and, I, and let her explain. Uh, this is lovely. I, I'm sure you will enjoy this. And it's lovely to see you, Ina, out in the wilds there. So introduce the land to the listeners, of course. Well, hello, John. Thanks for inviting me. Um, yeah, so you invited me to talk about uh, our new project, um, which is Lochgill Wilderness School in County Sligo, close to Lochgill at the foot of the Ox Mountains. Um, we were very lucky to be able to purchase some land there. And um, it's quite wild land, let's say. Is that you know, it's at the foot of the Ox Mountains. It's um, uh, right at the Sligo Way, and we have uh, some woodland on it, uh, some lovely natural meadows, and even some big ponds with lots of uh, reeds in it, and. Um, some heatherland on the mountains on the uh, yeah so it's it's lovely wild land and we hope to be able to rewild it even more so we will plant some trees but most of it will just let naturally rewild and uh, in the midst of all of this we want to establish a wilderness school um yeah so that's for the moment. Uh, one of the things you talk about uh, is, uh, now let's see if I get the phrase right, is the uh, sit spotting. Have I got that right? Uh, yeah. Uh, um, what is that to you? Okay. Uh, yeah. So what we're going to do on this land is we're going to offer, or we are already offering some courses for children and family. Um, yeah forest sessions and wilderness sessions and at the moment i'm uh, also i'm starting to offer some courses for adults and uh one of these courses is a course in mindfulness wandering and sit spotting so what i mean with that is um it's it's a, a yeah, shall I call it a technique? It's a core routine of uh, the approach of uh, wilderness education, which was um, uh, it, a way of teaching nature connection established by Tom Brown and John Young, coming from much older traditions, of course, um, that enabled people to be close with nature and learn about nature in their own pace and discover nature in their in their own way and they get some help from a mentor doing this sit spotting is one of the core routines that means basically you sit trying to sit in nature if you can every day but 
if not every day, then as often as possible, maybe once a week or twice a week at the same spot or maybe the same two or three spots that you choose. And um, you just, you take in whatever is happening around you and you try to learn about whatever you're, you're experiencing. You, you try to understand what is happening. You try to take it in. It's, it's basically a kind of nature meditation, a mindfulness practice um, by which you try to learn as much about the place where you are as you can. <laughs> now, uh, describe your favorite spot on the land there and uh, describe what's around you and what you actually feel when you're there. How do, how do you get relief from there? How does that mellow you? Um, hmm. <laughs> so one of my favorite spots is is at the edge of the woodland. Um, it's a spot where I have some trees immediately around me and some, of course, lots of other plants. It's a very mossy place. It's, it's part of what I call our fairy forest. It's um, a woodland with small trees, not, a, a, you know, we don't have these really big trees on our land. It's a, those are small trees. Uh, holly, um, hawthorn, uh, smaller birches, alders, and lots of ferns, lots of moss. So it's a very fairyish place. And also, when I'm sitting at that spot, I can also look out onto the meadows. So that means um, I can, very often I can see a deer grazing out there or um, you know, moving about, drinking at the at the uh, waterways, little water streams that we have on the land, and um, I see lots of birds, and I hear lots of birds. As we've already talked about the bird language that I'm trying to learn more about, and um, yeah, and just see the seasons changing. You know, Don, um, see sitting at the same spot seeing how the seasons change, how different insects come, different birds, uh, different animals, of course, and how the, how the landscape changes. Well, you, um, you kind of answered my next question with, uh, describe what wildlife you see there. And that's lovely about the deer uh, up against the water and, and observing the insects about. And as you've said on another Sunday sessions, is listening to the birds. And there's a kind of recognition from the bird sound and identifying. And it's like, to me, it's almost uh, morphing into being the bird itself and imagining a bird. That's how I tend to feel it, is if, if we become the uh, changelings, uh, shapeshifters. Uh, do you find uh, you have a bit of shapeshifting feeling there? It's almost as if you become part of the Fae and a shapeshifting experience with your imagination. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I I did um, a shamanic inspired training as well. So when I'm when I'm sit spotting, I'm also um, I'm also journeying uh, with the animals that I'm seeing or with the plants that I'm seeing. 
and especially the deer seem to be very prominent on our land. We have we seem to have different we we have <laughs> different deer on our land. So we have uh, red deer and we have uh, roe deer, and it's um, I I have the feeling that it is you know one one of the the main prominent deities of that place is a deer goddess. So I'm connecting at the moment. I'm connecting to deer goddess a lot. And um, yeah, our, our local Irish one of our local Irish deer goddesses is Scythe. And um, yeah, I'm I'm journeying with her. I'm connecting with her, and it's a it's an interesting. Uh, way of connecting to the land as well you know? well i'd love to come back from time to time to see uh, what you're doing and and the uh, updates that's a lovely description i was kind of traveling with you uh, across the land as you were describing that so thank you for a few, uh, spending a few minutes uh, with us because i know ina's uh, rushing off is you are doing some kind of workshop or you're going from here isn't it to something like that okay i'm, I'm going to be putting a wee bit of banner advertisements when I go out live with this on uh, Sunday. But uh, mm -hmm. thank you for being with us, Ina. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks very much, Ina. And uh, I'll get on with the rest of the Sunday session. Thank you very much. Uh, well, that was either. And let's see what uh, you're having to say after that. Um, we have uh, Stephanie, uh, artist grants. Uh, say more about that. Um, Oh, uh, Stephanie was saying more just before that. Are you open for artist retreats? Uh, I'll, I'm going to pass that on to Ina for you. If she's not watching, she'll watch this at some point to see how I presented her. And uh, yes, I, I think she'd be very interested in that. It's the sort of thing that she would be talking about. Um, every success with that one. I think that's a great idea. And then we got uh, Margaret Kinn. I'm glad, yes, it is a breezy September day. I forgot to mention, because I've been telling, oh, we'll be, we'll be outside, we'll be outside, but uh, I expect it, the sun is coming out now, hence why you're not seeing so much of me, the sun's coming through. But it was windy, and that's why I'm inside. I couldn't, uh, I didn't take the risk. It was drizzling at the time we would have been setting up, so this is why this is inside uh, for now. Uh, right. Um, Ian Hughes. Let's get on to Ian. Uh, Ian, uh, it was fascinating. He approached me. Uh, he's an environmental uh, consultant who has been involved in major native tree planting campaigns, absolutely massive in the UK. Uh, Bowland, Lancashire, a huge project there. And that's a beautiful area if anybody's been on the way to the Lake District there. And he's hoping to do something and be involved in similar in Ireland. And he's got amazing experience, a life experience. Uh, and fascinating. He came around to visit me. And uh, the, one of the things he talked about, one of his projects, if I can get some pictures up here that I thought was fascinating, was his trees for bees. Uh, unfortunately, the trees for bees pictures don't seem to have come up <coughs> excuse me oh uh, no i i shame um 
I did program them up last minute, but they just haven't appeared in time for us. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, yes, trees for bees, and that, that showed some of the plantations that he'd done. But anyway, I'm going to go uh, through to him to uh, talk about uh, what he's doing. This is this is from his um, uh, LinkedIn picture. This is LinkedIn picture. There it goes. Ready for the job there. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, here we go. We're going to go on to uh, Ian and wind uh, the Ian video. It was a. Uh, I did an interview. He came around for the interview, and uh, well, let's get on with it. Let's find the video and let you. And it's a beautiful story he has. Uh, they they kicks off with about what influenced him into the tr tree world, and it was really mentoring from his father. And so he starts off here with a lovely story uh, about his father taking him into the woods. And it's a shame I had a load of pictures before this, but they've just faded away. So I think you'll use your imagination with this one and, uh, and you'll get there. So this is uh, Ian. Ian Hughes. As I was walking out, uh, I said to Ian, oh, Ian, can you come and do an interview? And he was just starting to tell you that... Uh, who the person that really influenced him and got him going with this was his father mm -hmm. and he started with this beautiful description of what his father did and how this is inspired so carry on with that yeah, explain sure. about your father's influence i i i, I loved my dad he was he was a, a an exceptional man everybody loved my dad but he was he was a great one for nature and uh he obviously instilled it into me. And one of the things that he did, uh, we always had bluebells in our garden in Morecambe in Lancashire. Um, but they also had a caravan in the Lake District between um, Keswick and Penrith. And there's a lot of forestry around there. And on one of the walks, he noticed that there was no bluebells in the woods at all. So one year at the end of at the end of summer he was doing the garden and he took out lots of bluebell bulbs that came out every year and the following spring we we went at the, the caravan and he took his trowel and we went in the woods and he he planted about 30 or 40 of these bulbs uh, a few years later we went back and the woods absolutely covered in bluebells it's just they're everywhere uh, and it, it became a place of pilgrimage for us every year. Uh, and I think I was saying to you, my mum uh, in her latter years after my dad died, she had uh, Alzheimer's, but before she was too bad, I took her up there and we, we, we had a wander through the woods and I got a beautiful photograph of her really, you know, you could tell she was thinking about my dad and, and all the things, and, but there's this, lovely legacy of, of bluebells in this wood in, in the Lake District now. They are native bluebells and technically speaking you shouldn't have done it but you know, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad he did. Uh, have you been to the Bluebell Wood, uh, Adirian Woods by Boyle? Have no. you been? Because uh, yeah. that's the popular place here uh, beginning of May. Yeah. It certainly gets uh, busy no, and really. it's amongst beaches there and you were talking about the wild garlic uh, in the yeah. project getting those in and there's quite a bit of the wild garlic amongst mm. other trees that are there so it's the best of both of them now after all that's going on and the projects you're still involved with uh, over in the uk what are you looking to do with forestry in ireland now 
Um, anything I can really. Um, it, much the same as as England, particularly. Uh, the the coverage of trees is just way too low, way below the average for Europe, uh, and way below what we need to offset our carbon footprint these days. So, um, when I read the article in the in the newspaper, I thought, "Yep, yeah, I've got to contact this guy and and uh, have a meet up and see if there's anything I can do." As I said to you, I'm fairly new over here, so I'm I'm really just sort of finding my feet and. Um, and doing bits of research when I can between painting and decorating the, the, the new cottage. So um, I, I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm the new boy on the block, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very, very passionate about about trees. So uh, anything I can get involved in, basically. Hey, it's, it's fascinating uh, the comparison uh, with what uh, Ian was doing. There's this that 11 acres around here. And I'm hearing about the vast work that Ian's been involved in the project. And of course, uh, a son, my son Sky, he's with uh, Trees for Life, which does phenomenal planting North Caledonian, Grampian and forest projects uh, in Scotland there. So uh, this is fascinating. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, so, I'm wishing you the best of luck. With, uh, I'm sending Ian off to the usandtrees.com. I've got plenty of... Uh, resources there to follow up and where you can actually yeah. approach people so anything in ireland to expand on the native woodland and native woodland projects mm. and help it along because this people are probably familiar with its actual native woodland is only one to 1.5 percent mm. we got the likes of irish rail that one moment are clearing the native trees on the size of the rail for health and safety reasons and then when suddenly there's grants for planting more trees they yeah. say oh we're interested yeah. so you got stuff like that uh, battling mm. against but uh, we were talking about the passion that's needed uh, people's passion to get in the woods to be associated to actually have their own tree sanctuaries that they can go into yeah. trust not be scared be inspired share their poetry mm. and i think a lot of this comes from uh, for well, the forest schools. There's a lot of forest schools in Ireland that have sprung up at last during the last three years, thanks to the work of a, a woman in Sligo who, embarrassingly, I forget the name of, but uh, Bridges Gardens Treza. probably got a large. Uh, no, not trees. It should be, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trees. So any trees out there that want to do forest education, you are made. Yeah. So have you been involved in any uh, forest education? Is that an area you've gone into? It's it's something that I was pushing for with the project we were working with the university, uh, setting up a, a forest school in the forest, mm. you know, um, using the natural areas where we could take school kids and you know the, with the teachers and and spend time educating them from from being young and we did have uh, we did engage with a lot of schools we had kids coming out planting trees uh, and the teachers were, were there planting the trees with them so you know i think it's really important to to get them young you know and get them educated young and get the adults in too well that's, that's because they think uh, it's only just for the children well, and not for the, them the, the the kiddie pressure isn't it then you know yes. the, the children put the pressure on the parents and mm -hmm. and that's that's how it goes but to get them from an early age to understand the imp absolute importance and i think i think it's becoming a lot clearer nowadays with 
with um, climate change getting uh, a lot more airtime, or at least it was before COVID. Um, so people are more aware now, you know, which is which is part of the battle. Yes, awareness. Well, thanks for stopping by, and I'm glad yeah. to have got a few minutes uh, that we can uh, tag on within uh, the Sunday where we've got our autumn uh, tree sanctuary gathering, and I hope with the Sunday sessions we'll be able to invite you to participate again and uh, maybe with your own phone in the woods somewhere we'll see where you are and see yeah. how that so thank you very much my, and my uh, we'll get you uh, we'll get you back with this soon yeah. thank you Brilliant. yes thank you Ian to uh, Ian's website you might be interested in so if there's anybody in Ireland who would like to inquire about uh, Ian's Woodland Consultancy Services for Woods doesn't matter if it's small or large, uh, get in contact uh, with Ian. So how are you doing out there? I don't think there's been any new uh, comments. So let's uh, move along. Uh, there's still some lovely things uh, to come yet. There's a lovely poem coming up, beautiful poem. And I'm going to have another attempt uh, with uh, Ted Cook, uh, another video. But uh, quickly some news about our community uh, woodland uh, fundraiser. There's been a little bit of a twist, some good news, and uh, some, I suppose, uh, bad news. But the bad news is not so bad. Uh, as I always say each week, the Karakroid Labyrinth Gardens and Sunday Sessions are funded by your donations. Uh, but a couple of weeks ago, uh, the land went up for sale 360 degrees all around the Karakroid Labyrinth Gardens. I'm saying was now because the land has been sold and I was fearful because in the middle of that land um, people were visiting, we're in the, live in the middle of it and viewers were coming to us thinking I was the owner and they were cash buyers from the UK and the USA and they talked about building holiday homes and or planting Sitka spruce plantation and one woman from the USA was considering putting a glamping site here for yoga and sex therapy. So uh, the news that we got, the bad news is that obviously the uh, land's been sold. And so this changes our fundraiser a little bit. Uh, actually, I think for our benefit, the benefit being the buyer is actually a very local person. And he was a former tenant for several years. He's someone I like, someone I can talk to. And he seemed, and we've got a few things in common. And he only seems to use about half of the land uh, for grazing. He's, he has cattle. And so uh, he lets the rest of, the, lets the rest of it go wild uh, and natural woodland has appeared. So I'm going to be talking to him about Plan B, which is a smaller size land deal for rent or ownership or rent to own even. And this actually fits our fundraiser a lot better uh, with the way that's developing and it will match the generous donations you made which probably would have had great difficulty getting the whole 11 acres but we are within range of getting a small portion of this so thank you and keep the fundraising going it's on gofundme uh, i should have a um, let's wind up the banner for that for you uh as a reminder uh we're still keeping this going there it is there and uh, so that's it. That's uh, the link. Commun 
Karakori Community Woodland, create a public community, natural native woodland amenity. And one of the lovely things is, there's actually, what we're trying to preserve is uh, within this, there's a, there's a very old kind of, uh, this was a sweat house that was converted into a lime kiln. Now it's surrounded with natural trees. Uh, it, you can't even see it from the road, but it'd be lovely to do something with that, I think, and uh, keep it going. Anyway, let us uh, move on here. Uh, we got, I got a lovely treat for you. Uh, so it's sort of, I don't know about saying best till last, but uh, we're keeping the, high, uh, the standard going and I'm looking forward to, to this. And uh, the next, what's coming up is um, it's two lovely um, folklore poems by uh, Moya Duval, and she has a, a website uh, that's actually called. Um, it's a lovely uh, website. If I can get the link on it, it's, it's called Her Story in History, and uh, there's you'll find that in the my that's the um, website address, and go to see that. Wonderful article, wonderful approach, and uh, there's quite a few things uh, to learn from that. There's, and rightfully so, she shows the things that are kind of hidden uh, from history. So we're going to have a little bit uh, from Ma uh, Moya, some of you are familiar with her. So let's go on to uh, Moya introducing her poems right now. Um, um, and I'm coming to you today from the bowels of County Tip. I'm sitting out in my garden. I have a little ash grove here and I'm fortunate enough in this autumn sunshine to have a nice day. So I am going to read you two poems today. Um, the first poem um, comes from a collection called Tales of the Banshee, which I wrote back in 2011. Um, and it was written in Sligo. Um, I, my mum is from Sligo, so I spent my summers in Sligo, not far from you actually there. Um, she, she was from a place called Carrick Banner and she used to delight in taking us up Kesh Caves and down to Knocknery to see Maeve's Cairn and like of course we didn't appreciate it at the time um, but I, I, I love going back, I delight in going back so um, this is my first poem, my first offering, it's called um, Tales from the Banshee, Ivrahain. It's on four at Knocknery, they call me the woman of the she. I've been here forever, and it is well that they know it. This is my place. No good comes of seeing me tread lightly at Knocknery. I've seen things, know things, things that you might never consider. You do in a place like this. It's rare that I'll show myself, for it's catastrophic when I do. I'm there all right though, Disguised in the lichen of stone, or hidden out in the orbs of light, away from the gaze of the naked eye. Most times I screech my portents, and it's best that you don't hear me either. Many bodies lie to rest here, my chura 
Karamore, Krevikil, Makarawa, Tesh, hollow the sound of their souls. It is ancient, you see. I know these things. Tread lightly at Nakhnuri, I implore thee. So my mother, um, she ended up living down in, in County Waterford in a place called Inara Valley. Um, that's where, we, where I grew up and um, she ended up living in a place called Nakhnuri, which is really kind of ironic. Anyway, so my second um, offering is one from my newest, you know, work in progress collection. Um, it's called Tales from the Mermaid or the Mermaid's Tale. And that's T-A-L-E as opposed to T-A-I-L. It's a shorter one. It's called Inland Mermaid. I combed conditioner through my hair in the sunshine of Lunasa, a mermaid in a sea of grass, shaded by ash and drone. Daisy coins about me. I am not mortal, lured inland by a harvesting druid. I fancy his fingers as comb, separating hair strands and then parting my webbed feet, making me woman. Shinny, Gurvmila, Slangafol. And thank you, uh, Moya, there. Now I've got to kind of rush along uh, now to tell you what's uh, coming up. We've still got one feature. We're going to try the TED, but before we get that, let's tell you about upcoming Sunday sessions. Now, this next Sunday uh, is Apple Folklore and Avalon Stories. Now, one thing, uh, if you can, is uh, those of you with children and, the, and yourselves, please uh, do some paintings, drawings of your interpretation of the magic and of the wishes of the apples. I think the best way to present it to the children is imagine or give them an apple, bite into the apple, and then do a drawing of where the imagination goes. And we'll feature that next week uh, on the Apple Folklore and Avalon stories. And then, uh, and I should be outside and roving around and doing some apple things as well next Sunday. And then on the 27th of this month, we got one of the Orm series. We got the uh, Orm, and this is going to be the stone stories. Uh, it's going to be some mythology stories around uh, the Orm stones, the carvings, and how they moved around, and because some of them did. And then from uh, through October, uh, there's going to be a series of uh, lovely folklore sessions that become much more and more towards being topical for the Sawan. So th uh, thank you again uh, to our contributors, uh, Ted Cook, and uh, well, Ted Cook, a little bit of Ted Cook, we're going to have a bit more, and Trista Haggerty, Ina Gorman, Ian Hughes, and uh, we'll, we also had Chandler with that beautiful opening poem uh, last time. I want an excuse to show that again. And Moya Dubal. Um, before I get on to some TED, uh, some new TED, is there any more comments from you? No, you seem to be quiet at the moment. Okay, great. Uh, thank you uh, for watching here. And um, so, as I say, some amazing TED Cook. Uh, thank you for watching the Sunday sessions. And uh, Ted's actually going to be doing a little talk. We talk about Fern the Order. It's his favorite tree. It's one of my favorite tree. It's a very Irish tree, very useful. So if you would like to ask uh, questions, keep commenting here. 
especially if you're watching this uh, in, during the archive uh, rather than the, the live here. So enjoy a safe week uh, full of wonder, inspiration, celebration, and enchantment. So as I gear up uh, some TED for you, uh, another attempt of a bit of TED, I um, wish you uh, blessed until next week. And uh, let's get to find where Ted is, uh, the next bit of Ted. Yes, he's there. Um, play well. And so for me, it's bye. And here's Ted. My dear friend, friend this is Alder. Alder, Almas Glutinosa. In Irish, on Cron Fern. Cronfern. There are 64,000 townlands in Ireland. Many of them incorporate the names of trees like Dara for oak, Col for hazel, and Farn. The, the alder, we only have one species, it's a wetland tree. So I said earlier that Kilgobinet wood is known for its oak, its birch, downy birch, not silver, downy birch. Uh, some sycamores, quite a lot of beech planted by the Coldhurst 150 years ago. But the alder is here of its own accord. The alder is growing following the wet flushes. In heavy rain, there's what we call wet flushes coming down and the alder intercepts and loves water. It's a water tree. Alder, it's a beautiful tree. Its value to the old Irish were wooden clogs, masts of ships and shields. You try and pull your axe out of an alder shield you can't if I the problem in old Irish warfare was with your shield as someone came like the Viking to hit with their axe it stuck in the shield and then you just simply decapitated the people but then your shield could have 10 or 20 heavy axes so that is really where the Vikings used to win their battles but uh, alder was a, an important commercial tree it supports 79 insects, 79 Irish insects, many of them uniquely in association with the tree. They can't just go to another tree. Like birch supports 167, and um, sycamore about 28. What's interesting about beech, beech is rapidly naturalizing. The last count shows 60, 60 exactly Irish insects have begun to, be, to, to associate with beech, to use it as a food plant, as a host plant, uh, and so forth. And mycorrhiza is fast discovering it. So beech, in time we all settled down. Mm. Remember, we all came as migrants. Very recently, this was an iceberg two miles deep of frozen ice. Mm. Only 10,500 years ago, we were under two miles of ice for millions of years. So it's a new landscape. Yeah. It's a fresh landscape, not like Africa and Australia. Their soils are ancient. Mm. There will be food shortages for the old soils. I believe the nutrients are washed out. Yeah. 